everybody welcome to the 373rd edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man yo sleep deprived sage in the building ready to talk about these portland trailblazers it was the uh i just got back into town did the mo- uh, the not the medford multicultural but the L- lunar new year celebration and it was it was really impactful because just seeing all of these little kids that are like half Asian, seeing other Asians people and being like impressed and like, you know, they them seeing some of the culture. It made me feel really good about hustling and trying to avoid getting electrocuted by all the rain dropping onto the stage. So shout out to all the Asian kids that felt like they mattered during that. Not, I mean, not matter, but seeing people that looked like them doing stuff. It was really impactful for me to hear all of them say like, oh, my God, I've never seen so many Asian people. And there, there was 40 of us. But damn it, we were 40 strong celebrating at Jacksonville at the uh, Brit. And they even offered me a job doing a, uh, the Brits like a huge amplifier, amplifier. They They don't have enough sound engineers. So, you know, sometimes when I'm down in Medford, I can run sound for them and make a little extra dollar. And make some uh, make some buttocks. So, yeah, I'm 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 happy that I I did it. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's been a minute since we've recorded, but thankfully we've had the All Star break as a nice little buffer, uh, just as a a quick rewind uh, leading up to the All Star break. Uh, the Blazers lost in overtime to the Detroit Pistons, one twenty eight to one twenty two, a game in which saw Portland blow a twenty three point third quarter lead against the depleted Detroit Pistons on trade deadline day. I think they only had eight healthy bodies in uniform. Uh, maybe one of the, if you, maybe one of the lowlights of, of the season uh, from the highs to the lows to the finish. Uh, it's where we're at losing to the worst team in the league who had the longest losing streak previously in over the course of all four major uh, sports at 28 games. But here we are. Uh, they follow that up with a 93 to 84 loss against the New Orleans Pelicans in a game in which Zion Williamson uh, did not play. And then they played the Western Conference leading Minnesota Timberwolves in a mini two game series uh, on February 13th, losing 121 to 109 in a game in which the Blazers did have a two point lead in the fourth quarter. But Minnesota flipped that switch and turned things right around. And then Portland got kind of the doors blown open uh, right before the All-Star break on the 15th, losing 128 to 91, a game that saw Portland go down, I believe, 41 to 14 in the first quarter. And they just could never, ever get really close enough to make the Timberwolves flinch. The Blazers have now lost six games in a row for those keeping score at home. They are 15 and 39 on the season. They are winless in February. And they are still with the fifth worst record in the NBA. Sage, heading into the All-Star break, uh, what, where do you want to start here? Uh, do you want to project post-All-Star break what you're looking forward to? What over those four games did, did you notice? We did see Scoot Henderson get inserted into the starting lineup in that final game against the Timberwolves. Obviously, Malcolm Brogdon 
is out and will be reevaluated with an elbow injury this week. Uh, it has been made pretty evident by Chauncey Billups that Scoot Henderson will probably be starting uh, the rest of the way. Uh, they're still waiting to hear back on Shaden Sharp. He'll be reevaluated in four weeks. Um, looks like Ryan repairs day to day with an ankle sprain, which he did injure with the Rip City remix. Uh, they signed Dwap Reith to a three-year deal. Uh, it assumes that Ashton Higgins is no longer on the roster after his 10-day uh, expired. So a lot has transpired between really the last series against the Timberwolves mm-hmm. up until you know a week later as we head into the quote-unquote second half of the NBA season. That basically a six-month sprint if you're a contending team and if you're a developmental team this is where you kind of throw caution to the wind even more so and say young guys have at it so i didn't i have yet to look at the contract specifics of uh wap's contract is it trend in wadfordy where you can cut him with no penalty like in a year and then potentially at year three, you can cut them because I've, I've been busy doing uh, other stuff. So I, I don't know, but I, I'm proud that he, you know, is, is able to have roots for at least another year. I think that's awesome. What stood out to me was the Detroit Pistons game. We were there, so we got to just be vi- like seeing it up top and in that first half, they were passing the ball and running like more offense than normal. And I get it. Anthony got hurt. But to just force feed Jeremy Grant every possession when they know he's getting the ball. It wasn't even force feeding Jeremy Grant the ball. He did have, uh, I believe, 49 points and he was all over the place. It was force feeding Jeremy Grant at the same spot on the same side of the court, running the same play where he took the ball across the paint and into a left handed layup slash baby hook slash fade away from seven, eight feet. Like it, it was not just giving him the ball because he was maybe one of the only options. It was the exact same play they ran 10 times in a row, Sage, and we were both. Just like, okay, this is what they're going to do. They're going to bring gonna lose. the lever on Ashton <laughs> Hagens, and they're going to double him because Hagens, it, it, it was it was reckless to start, or not not to start, he didn't start. It was reckless to put Hagens in, in that position. The first of a 10-day contract. Healthy. With Chris healthy, too. With Chris very healthy. Like, I get it. No Anthony Simons, but <clears throat> by force-feeding Jeremy, you cooled off Matisse. You cooled off Jabari Walker. You didn't even utilize uh, Chris Murray, who could have spaced the floor. You could have done an easy two-man game there where if they want to double, I'll take my chances with Chris Murray shooting that three. That's a great opportunity if you're the Blazers. But because they isolated those players out of the offense, when Chauncey finally did say, okay, they are coming with too much heat on Jeremy, let's let Tease take everybody a lane. Everybody was cold. Or, yeah, everybody was ice cold because they didn't have a rhythm. And I, I, you know, the excuses are Portland was missing some players too, but Sage, this they goes can't back, hit a layup. They can't hit goes, a, like an eight foot shot. Like this goes back to our gripes with this coaching staff where you need to have a basic, like one-on-one NBA offense. This is what we're going to run when shit hits the fan. And they couldn't do that. They do not have that in place. These are players at the highest level in the entire world. So even if you are getting guys on a 10 day contract, there needs to be a, here's our inner like introductory basketball playbook. We've got like three sets. We want to run 
they, they, they don't have that. They, they, their, their, their introductory one-on-one is Jeremy, get the ball right here. You're going to do the same play 10, 10 times in a row. And, and that, that's a problem to me when you don't have that, like that, 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 that again showed me that, that Chauncey Billups is, is not the guy for this team. I, I, so when I was at PSU, I played with a guy that was on the practice squad for Portland state to get these guys, to get those, the guys like ready. And, you know, he would pretend to be the point guard for PSU to defend. He made everything. He was a really good shooter and he topped out at practice squad at Portland state university. So to say that Ashton Higgins or any of these other guys have no skill would be absolutely absurd because they got to the highest level, albeit it might be 10 days, but they made it to the highest level. They defended Jeremy Grant. Do you remember how they defended Calvin Johnson in Detroit? Like, I remember vividly the New Orleans Saints put two guys on Calvin Johnson like it was a punt return when he was near in the red zone. No one else can shoot a jumper in that opportunity. In that, like the defense is broken. If he makes a pass, the defense is broken. They have they're they're doing the Calvin Johnson defense on him. That there's no way that they can recover, rotate to to the opposite side. And we didn't try it for like ten real minutes. And I I get it. Jeremy Grant's the the best player there, but we couldn't try and make his life a little easier doing something other than that. Like it, it's. Insanity. What we witnessed was insanity when we were up 20, something happened, and we continued to do the same thing over and over and over again. And I know Jeremy Grant had an amazing scoring day, but it could have been even easier if they did something else. It's not on Jeremy. He did great. It was on the coaching staff that put him in an opportunity to just get defended just like Calvin Johnson did. Now I know why Calvin Johnson retired early. He was dealing with all this pressure. Like... I mean, great job, Jeremy, but Chauncey Billups did not put them in a position to succeed. And I get it. You lost one half of your offense, essentially. But and the offense was Anthony just like pulling up back to back from like 30 feet. Like that was the offense, right? Like Anthony just just freelancing out there and doing well because he is such a capable scorer. Uh, Jeremy Statlin was 49 points on 14 of 29 shooting. Uh, eight rebounds, six assists, couple of blocks everywhere. Maybe the best performance I've ever seen from him. What did not get upset at the players at all? No, it's, it's frustrating it's just where you're being put at, man. The it's easiest just... way to beat that, like, and you could even visualize this on a podcast. You get Jeremy Grant on the bench side, near the bench, three point line extended. If they come for the double, you kick it back out to the passer. Passer either can shoot the open three. Or he can dribble because there is an open lane to the court. If they want to help, you just kick it out for another open three. You just, you keep swing, swing. Like it's simple basketball. If they don't rotate over, you have a layup. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I just Jalen Duran is not paying attention on the weak side, and the, you got Asar Thompson who's a fucking alien defending him. So it's like it. Even if you get past the SAR, you got Jalen Duran ready to block the absolute crap out of the ball. It it just was like, and I get it. We're there and we're talking and we're like, but like, I I can't believe that we didn't try anything else for like ten straight possessions. 
like a pick and roll would cause like the defense is broken. Give it to any other person. That defense is broken. And if we're assuming that Chauncey Billups does not trust any of the guys, Tumani, Jabari, Matisse, to make an easy one-decision thing, we're not talking about a few missing pieces. We're talking about the goddamn puzzle being lost, bro. Yeah, it was definitely the the lowest part uh, of the season. I think worse than even the 62 point loss at Oklahoma city. Like you're home, you're up 23. It would have been a feel good win. I get it. Wins don't really factor into the season, but that loss, I think factors into the season. When you look at morale, when you look at uh, just trying to build something positive, like you, you, you can't go winless the rest of the way, right? Like you, you just can't, you, you need these wins to keep you warm in, in the winter and to really throw away uh, just a, a masterpiece by by Jeremy Grant. Uh, it, it I kind of coped with it by just like finding the uh, hilarity in Detroit coming back and just kind of being happy for them because it was, you know, you have to give them credit. They they saw the 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 just the, the cluster that was the Portland Trailblazers. And and frankly, they, they took advantage. And so they you know, switched on real quick and then. It, it, it was dude i thought we were gonna lose at the end of the game we were very lucky to get it into ot they, they were one very lucky second. there was not one more second left otherwise they would have lost on the last play of the game and it would have been on shacked and a fool and it would have been even more of a uh of, of a laughing stock in uh that's unfortunately uh what is happened uh the blazers as they exit the all-star break we're looking at the third straight year of not even stealth tanking I think you're looking at uh, the third straight year of hardcore and last year, this draft too, (laughs) at at least last year you had, you know, Shaden sharp start to get the reps. And I think we're going to see scoot Henderson uh, get those same reps as Shaden. But again, you're doing it without Shaden. Unfortunate that, that uh, core surgery that he needed to have. He's he, he may come back in April, but he's probably going to be out all, all of March. And Uh, he's going to suck in April. He hasn't played basketball in two months. <laughs> and so that that is just a, a real um, gut punch. And, and Scoot, as much as I, I like him, has shown has shown an, uh, a slight injury proneness to his, his body so far, whether it's the ankle injury early in October that kept him out for almost a month. He had some sort of foot contusion after the second Denver game that, that kept him out for almost uh, a week, uh, a week and a half. Um, so that that's a little worrisome. So if you're not getting shade and you're not getting scoot, Ant's been in and out of the lineup. Uh, what what's there to tune into? And so that's what the Blazers and their fans are looking forward to. So I just I pray for health. Uh, I want to see the young guys develop. It certainly seems like we're going down that path with Scoot Henderson and Anthony Simons sharing the backcourt duties. As I was driving home from the 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 February fifteenth game against the the Timberwolves. Um, Shout out to uh, Holy Backboard listener Jesse at Painton PDX. Uh, his family owns Giffords Flowers. Uh, you were in, in uh, Jacksonville, uh, so I offered him the ticket, went with him, and he had oh, yeah. a really good conversation uh, with him. And as I was driving home, I always listened to the the fifth quarter, and, and Chauncey was was talking about how he's really trying to now work on Anthony to play off ball. 
and I just was like, okay, yes. <laughs> I was like, yes, but like, it should not have taken you this long. The moment the Blazers drafted Scoot Henderson, you should have been drawing up sets for Anthony off ball because you don't trade Dame and draft one of the, the, the highest rated point guard prospects in, in a decade and not have a plan for Anthony Simons off ball. You know what he can do on ball. Like this again, you're start, this is why I, I really harp on Portland's coaching because it's taking them months later than the average fan, like average fans like, yeah, how can we get Anthony off ball? One of the best movement shooters, quick release, uh, just absolutely lethal from downtown and he has amazing handle. So if there's a closeout, he can attack that it, easily. Yeah. And he's a good enough decision maker to make the easy drop off pass. But we're sitting here after Valentine's Day and we're now just talking about trying to get him used to playing off ball. And my jaw kind of hit the floor as I was as I was driving home. But we're here. This is this is reality. He is going to start playing off ball. How do you see? Scoot and Ant sharing the backcourt. What are your concerns? What are you looking forward to? I think this is where Jabari earns his next contract. DA's a dog shit screener. Jeremy Grant's not going to do it. If Jabari can hit some really nice screens off ball that allows him to curl around for open shots, I think that he's going to get that next contract off that. Like, Bari doesn't have to do a lot to get that next one. But if he can just use that big body to get him open. And, you know, we talked about this with Jacoby. How do you utilize a movement shooter in today's game? Now, I don't really think that Chauncey Billups is the guy to utilize a movement shooter in today's game. But I think that one way you could do it is have him go from, like, the wing to the top of the key. Scoot Henderson's going to have the patience to allow Anthony the time to get open. So if we had a good coach, I could see a lot of off-ball screening and movement for Ant to get to that wing three, to get to that top of the uh the the court uh top of the court three. But do I really think that he's gonna do anything, any specialized stuff? Probably not, but we might see D.A. set a bad screen where he hedges or goes dives to the hoop. But if it was me, I would have Jabari be Ant's protector for the next 30 games to just see, can he manipulate the screen to either go downhill or to get curled to the the three to launch? I, I really don't feel that confident that we do anything creative, but maybe just some basic downhill screens so ant can use that god-given athleticism to get to the hoop and score but it it really sucks that february we're talking about how do we utilize ant to do this i i just don't trust scotty brooks and chauncey Phillips to be the offensive minds to you know compete with the golden state warriors and the d'antoni houston rockets with utilizing movement shooters in today's game like we like Willie Green, but he ain't doing that shit with Jordan Hawkins. And I think Willie Green's a much better coach than uh, Chauncey Billups is, and he's just chilling in the corner. So I, I really, I mean, I'm happy that we're deciding to see what we can do with Ant off ball, but too little, too late, and I just do not trust 
who we have to make these decisions and create a scheme where Ant is utilized well and can attack closeouts and all that stuff. I just, I mean, I just, I just don't trust it. But if we see it, I think that would be great because we just don't run offense. Period. And I think Scoot would be really good at dotting Ant where he wants to shoot. Like, I think it would be great. I just don't trust it. Yeah, I so we have 28 games left on the schedule, and and I hope that draft position doesn't play too much of a role in how Portland rolls out their lineups because I think they do need to give this a legitimate try. And it's one of the proponents that I had for trading Malcolm Brogdon much earlier in the season. It's one of the proponents I had for giving Scoot even more of a larger role um, because you have to, this is a developmental year, Mm -hmm. and you have to see if it's going to work because you have the last two years resulted in the number seven pick and the number three pick that's Shaden Sharp and that's Scoo Henderson point guard and shooting guard. Then you have Anthony Simons, who is this hybrid combo guard who has some seniority, who is the, the best score from distance, who can, can fill it up, but fitting him into a team concept has proven to be, I think uh, a little difficult because of how he likes to play and how he's being utilized. And so I want to see Jeremy. I want to see DA. Uh, I want to see how they utilize different lineups with with Jeremy at the three and they can go big because I think you have to go big when you're playing a smaller backcourt mm. with with Scoot and Ant. So I'm looking how they're going to be defending the opposition, the opposition. But most importantly, I want to see, and this is my biggest concern, when are they fully going to empower Scoot Henderson with the keys to the offense? Because as long as Anthony's out there, I feel like there's always going to be this tug of war, not because they don't like each other, but because Billups trusts Anthony so much. Like, is it your turn? Are you bringing the ball up the court? Mm. Are you getting us into the set? I want to see Scoot be the table setter the majority of the time. That's where he thrives. You brought him in to be the, the you know, the Gen Z Chris Paul, right? You need to see him run offense, mm-hmm. get guys involved, and he – needs to figure out the pace he needs to figure out when he's going to score when he's going to pass how is he going to set up his teammates this is everything we're looking for in scoots rookie year so we don't have to go through these road bumps uh in year two or year three like with with scoot you saw in the rising stars game when he was just kind of free and easy he, was he has fun. one of the best defenders in the league in Chet Holmgren on absolute ice mm. skates. Mm. He's finishing in traffic over Walker Kessler. He's even finishing lefty. You just see the you see on tape what you saw at the Ignite at the Rising Stars game because he was empowered. He was free and easy. He wasn't mm. looking over his shoulder. He wasn't saying, "Oh, I, it's, it's you know, it's it's Ant's turn to bring the ball up the court. I'm just going to go chill in the corner here." No, Scoot had the ball in his hands. He was making decisive decisions, and that's where you're going to see him thrive. That's why I'm not worried about Scoot. I'm worried about his coaches. I'm not worried about him because the skill is there. But as we've talked about on this podcast, Brandon and Dame were empowered day one. We still have yet to see Scoot be empowered. And once he does, I think you're going to see a lot less worry surrounding Scoot. I think he's going to get much more national recognition. People will stop throwing around the bus label, which is incredibly Mm -hmm. inappropriate uh, at this stage in his career. And uh, really in in February, he's, he's been playing extremely well. I know it's only four games, but I'm encouraged. You're looking at 34 minutes a night, 18.3 points, 
uh, 38.5 from the field, 32 from three, 93 from the line. You're getting six assists, four rebounds, two and a half turnovers for a 20 year old point guard. Uh, I'll, I'll take that any, any damn day uh, of the week. And I just want to see him get the opportunity to go out there and succeed and fail because you learn by failing as well. And I don't want him to play with one hand tied behind his back. I don't want to have him play tentative. I want him to play free and loose and and figure this out because we don't get to where we want to be in five years unless we let him figure it out uh, this year and and next year, right? Like, And I think you could say the same thing for Anthony too. Succeed and fail in that off-ball role. I think it is a big, I think it is a big learning period. I think it is a big scouting period if you're the Blazers or Anthony Simons as well as a long-term piece. Like he's got two years left at $50 million combined, so $25 million a season. So a very good value contract for the caliber of player he is. But I think this is a, a big stretch for Ant. Because if I were to bet, I would say there's more investment, even though we haven't seen it from Billups. I still think there's more investment in Scoot Henderson and Shaden Sharp to to an extent. I think they're trying to see if it can work with Ant. And then you got to throw Shade in there and see how, how that works. Because what we've seen, teams with plus positional size, they do well. Minnesota was massive. Mm. across the board and it's no surprise that ant had some of his worst performances uh 14 points just on four of nine shooting he did have nine assists um uh, in in the tuesday game 15 points on five of 12 shooting uh oh four from three got 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 visibly frustrated technical foul early on again physical teams with physical defense get him off of his game and i think that's that is a a worrisome trend that I've noticed this year from from Anthony Simons and and I was thinking about it and we have called him or I have called him you know kind of Dame Junior on on this podcast because of how similar his game is to 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 Lillard but I was like okay Anson year uh, if you look 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, Anson year six doesn't seem like it but Ant Ant is in year six. I would say he's still behind even CJ McCollum was at year six and year six. That was the year oh. they went to the Western conference finals. CJ was putting up 30 plus in game seven in Denver, putting up 50 points in, in three quarters against the bulls, uh, scoring 41 points in a three overtime, four overtime thriller against Denver. Like he was that guy, like borderline all-star. He was so good that after that Western conference finals appearance, ESPN, I know it's not the end all be all, but their NBA rank, they had him 13. They, they <laughs> said he was the 13th best player in the league. Was he? No, but he no. had that type of pull, that type of recognition. Ants probably, if you're looking at NBA rank, somewhere between 40 to 60, I, I would say, probably closer to, to 60 than, than 40. And so when I put it into that kind of perspective, I was like, okay, like Ant is really good, and I get CJ was an older prospect coming into the league, but they still had six years of NBA experience under their belt. So I kind of threw age aside and said through six years, CJ was at a much higher level. And if we were starting to get frustrated with CJ's performance, I I think we're having nice thoughts about CJ. I remember pitching on this podcast. Yeah. CJ needs to pass the fucking ball. Yeah, exactly. And so I just feel like we're running down that same path. 
And that's why I, I'm interested to see how how it works. I have my my concerns. I, I'm not superly overly optimistic that it is going to work out with another small backcourt that we just seem to find Love. ourselves. We back mm. ourselves into this corner of trying to figure out. And you know, ideally, Ant becomes a six man, just like CJ. That's probably never, ever, ever no. going to happen. So it, it'll so- it'll be interesting to see because I've found myself really pulling for ant this year but also i think over the past couple of months started to i feel like the stock is d- declining a, a bit in my, in my eyes just because of how i've seen the the variance in play how physical defense has given problems again he is a new dad uh, as we've seen with damian family issues do trickle down into performance just like everyday folks but this hasn't been the breakout year for ant that i i kind of expected it to be. So um I think that Ant has to learn how to play off ball, like has to. Because let's just look at NBA teams unless you're the Wizards or basically unless you're the Wizards and let Jordan Poole run the offense. Most teams have a star that they feel rel- relatively confident in. I feel like if Anthony is the star alpha player, you're constructing a tanking team. And then if he wants to be a tanking high usage guy like Jordan Poole, do it. There's not many opportunities, but you can get you can find that role. You're going to suck and lose a lot. So to open up his chances of that next contract being enormous, he has to learn how to play off another superstar. And there, there's moments where, you know, we can talk about that game against Philadelphia where we thought we won, but we didn't. He needs to learn how to play off of another guy because there isn't that, if, if he wants to compete, there isn't that many ways where Anthony Simons is the best player in a playoff series that it just isn't it, it doesn't look likely if he changed his mentality and became really aggressive and used his athleticism sure that we we could have a talk but is he better than zion is he better than these guys and i think zion and brandon ingram suck together so when we're thinking about it in a playoff series when shit really matters I don't really think that Anthony Simons being a alpha offensive player is sustainable for us winning games. So it's not even, it would be nice. He has to learn how to be a beta player because they're like, if he and Luca are playing together, there's no way Anthony's touching the ball as much as he is now. Or shit, LaMelo Ball isn't going to give up the that that role. There are guys, and there's going to be guys coming in that are going to be really good alpha players. He has to learn how to be off ball. So this is going to be huge for him just to learn how to move around because he's been on ball for a long time, and we learned that he is not a point guard with his vision. So he has to learn how to manipulate screens and move and move in a good time without cutting and ruining driving lanes so he this is going to be a big year for him 
how to extend his career and make as much money as humanly possible on that next one. That next one's going, if he learns how to be that off-ball player, is going to be like super max level. So if he wants to compete, and I think every NBA player in at this level wants to compete, unless you already won your chip like Kyle Kuzma, you're going to have to learn how to be an off-ball player. Because Scoot's going to dominate you. And then we're just going go through every playoff team, besides like maybe the Knicks. They have that alpha. I am the best. I am quite possibly the best player on the floor. He has to learn how to be the, the off ball. I mean, history has has proven that it's very difficult to win when your point guard is also your best scoring option. It, it's it, it's it's just it doesn't generally happen. We, we've it's it's you know maybe the greatest player in franchise history, Damian Lillard wasn't even able to get Portland to, to the finals, right? In that style of play. It's it's a very difficult route to go. I, I is, think is the know, 76ers is, 2001 the closest it's ever gotten? And I would still argue that Iverson was a shooting guard because they had Eric Snow bringing the ball up the court. Like and they, Aaron they still, yeah, yeah, they still ran Iverson off of a lot of off-ball cuts. Yeah, he did a lot of isolation, but he still he still ran like hell off the, ball. It, it's called an Iverson cut for a reason. For a reason. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think Amberney's prime role, if he's really never able to play off ball, is like if you're playing with a big with Jokic and he's in that Jamal Murray role. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there's only one Jokic and Jamal Murray ain't going nowhere. So he's and, and then Tyrese to, Maxey's better. So yeah, you're gonna have to to figure out how to play off ball unless you want to be just a gunner off the bench. And I know he has bigger aspirations than being a a sixth man. But tanking at at this time is not fun for him right now. So it's either learn how to do this or you're going to deal with a lot of tanking years. You don't want to be known as a player who puts up good stats on a bad team. That is a reputation. The empty calories. That's very hard to shed, just like being a bad defender. It's a very hard reputation to shed. Um, But we may be cooling off on Anthony, but a player who I had been cooled off on, but I'm, I am now open to the idea of this player being a longer member of the team than I previously was is Jeremy Grant. Okay. I thought I you mean, were going to say Tumani. <laughs> if you look at now, Jeremy at the four, hell no, but Jeremy at the three, because Portland, whether they get the number one pick or number three, like you could look at, you know, Zachary Risha Shea or Cody Williams, you have Ray and Rupert. You have Tumani Kamara. You have players who aren't ready to be the guy at the three. I know they've started Tumani, but he's not ready to be the guy. Like he's also still, four. They're still waiting for that quote unquote small forward of the future. Jeremy Grant, like if you're envisioning a a lineup of Scoot, Shaden, Jeremy at the three, you find your four wherever, and Da, like that gives you positional size mm-hmm. across the board. Jeremy is a a just a much better fit at the three. We've just seen him be more active. Uh, I and think then he can just shoot over the wings. He's, he's a play finisher. You can give him the ball on the on the on the second side. And he is an absolute just threat from downtown. So he opens up passing lanes. He spreads the floor. Uh, so I'm like, unless a, an offer wows you for Jeremy Grant, mm-hmm. like you're still under contract for four more years. 
I, I think that is a great way to build success, not only around Scoot, but 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 around Shaden. Like another player who takes some uh, pressure off of off of the defense from him, because the more weapons you have out there, the, the less eyes that are on individual players. And so, if you're able to, to to get out there, and you know you've got Da as a play finisher, obviously Scoot can finish. Uh, Shaden, you just you just open it up. And so I've I've really come around to the idea of. Jeremy sticking around, you know, a couple more seasons. He seems happy here. I think also Jeremy helps this team just not be. I don't want to say like what's like they're they're respectable when the Blazers have a fully healthy unit. Mm. And I think Jeremy plays a large role in that. Like he he's the security blanket. He is a he is a security blanket. He is a, a veteran. He is a good calming voice in the locker room. And unless he asks out or unless you're getting two first round picks and, you know, in, in some crazy package, like I, I think they have enough draft capital for a while. I think you're probably going to get some from Malcolm. You have so many rookies. We, we talked about this. They've got four picks mm-hmm. in the upcoming draft, but they've already played six rookies over the course of the past two drafts. Uh, I, I don't even believe they have enough roster spots upcoming next year for the amount of rookies they could possibly have coming in. So, They'll probably have to do some consolidating, but either way, they're a young team. They played the most rookie minutes of any uh, franchise this year. So I, I, I have came fully around. If, if he's, if Blazers, he's a good vet, yeah. If the Blazers want to keep him at the three, I love that. I love that for Scoot's development. I love that for Shaden's development, and I, I think it helps. I think he is a, a player that can work with really any coach. So, you know, mm. you maybe bring in another coach. I think he's really ready to buy in. And I think he yeah. he's like a supercharged Trevor Ariza. Yeah. What kind of power forward works with those four players? I feel like it's got to be a elite rebounding shooter. Elite rebounder. Yeah, absolutely. A re- rebounder and defender. Right. And so that's another reason why I love Jeremy at the three, because if you look, DA is really active and mobile, but from two through four, you've got length. Mm. Shaden, Jeremy, and then you get this other four who can defend his ass off and rebound. Now, now you're cooking with something. Hopefully, it is also a good screen setter, as you mentioned, because you got to get Shaden off ball. You got to get, you know, Chris Murray off ball. You got to get, you know, all these other players, you know, open looks. Um, Jeremy off ball. Hell. Yeah. So who would I see? I mean, clearly. We have eyes for Jairus Walker in Indiana, yeah, I, I, but, but that's the prototype, Sage. Yeah. That's that is the prototype that you give them the ball; they can also make a, a quick decision with it, right? Defense, rebounding, like those two need to be addressed. Playmaking uh, would be just gravy uh, on top, but like that's who they need to to look at, in, in my opinion. Even you know, if if you're able to, you know, you you've got so many new assets that you can put into a a potential trade package let's say you're just not enamored with with a lot of players at this draft if you if you move up or like i said you could have two lottery picks you could have whatever malcolm could fetch you you you've you've got ways to find the guy and um you know we won't know who's available until the offseason but you just you need someone who's going to rebound the ball and and who's going to play 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 plus defense not just neutral you need a plus defender you need a plus defense yeah I mean, I've had a man crush on this dude for, I guess, a full season now, but I feel like PJ Washington would be that guy. If Jared Vanderbilt ever learned how to shoot, 
he would be that guy too. But I feel like you need a little bit more spacing than Vando can provide with uh, all of these guys that need those those paint touches. But like, we're not talking about. I mean, Jarris Walker is a dream scenario because we both have such high, you know, projections of projections for him. But if Trey Lyles or PJ Washington's there, they fit that role of versatile defender. He can shoot. He can play really good defense. They're good stop gaps until you find the guy. Yeah, we're not talking about the Michael Jordan of power forwards. He just needs to play a role. Versatile big. Versatile four. I, 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 I'm cool with Jeremy. It's just you have to util, you have to have some long-term thinking. Jeremy Grant's never going to be Buck Williams. Never, ever, ever. So let's find that Buck Williams type of power forward. And if TJ Washington's available, we'll sign him to the MLE and he'll be that guy for three years until we find that power forward of the future. It, we can make something happen without devoting like all of our draft assets to Anthony Davis or something. We can make it happen with a good power forward that's going to get the MLE next year and, you know, we can win more games and, you know, actually have developed. Atlanta Hawks, Paul Millsap, that would be awesome. Oh, God, yeah, but that that's <laughs> pie in the sky. I, I, Paul Paul's a bad motherfucker. He was, but he's not <laughs> Anthony Davis. So I think he's, I'm just saying he's more like that type is like more attainable. attainable. Yeah. yeah. Like, honestly, like, if we draft PJ Hall, I think he can do it. <laughs> like, it's not like, what we're asking for with the three the three guards or the three, you know, Jeremy, Scoot, and Jaden. What we need, good screener, can be a, a, a good rebounder, defender. It's not that difficult. We start, might even find it from see, Chris or Javon. Oh, yeah. You start to lay out your assets. Who's a keeper? Who makes sense? How do you want to build your team uh, in, in the eyes of, of Joe Cronin? How do you want to go about? Because you've got pieces, but I think we're, I saw that this was a really good point that I, that I read online. Like this isn't year three of a rebuild. Like the first two years, Joe Cronin like was in kind of like destruction mode. Mm-hmm. Like he had to tear down mm-hmm. what Neil O'Shea had built. And I think that's different than a rebuild. I think this year is probably the first true year of a rebuild in the sense that Okay, you've really gutted everything. I mean, even even took out Damian Lillard uh, from the foundation. Like, you know, you're really rebuilding this house. And we were from such a pick deficit, too. Yeah. We had to rebuild that. From the bottom up now. And now you can start to see, okay, we like what we got in the backcourt. We like DA as a foundational piece. We like Jeremy as a foundational piece. Now you can start to see where do we need to go next? Who, what players do we need to identify? Um and kind of go from there. And I hope that's what he's looking at because I, I I don't think you can now be in this position and just not have an idea or strategy or plan in mm-hmm. place. Like I think this year he maybe got over his, his head I, looking back at the moves that they made and, and how they navigated trading drew holiday and what they got in terms of Rob and Malcolm and the picks, the getting Deandre, I think they maybe had in, in every every interview that they gave, like, oh, we knew we already had a good foundation. Like they didn't want to quote unquote bottom out or they want to be the Houston Rockets. Wh- whatever whole quote you want to grab, it, 
it appeared to me they wanted to be the Oklahoma City Thunder of 2019-2020. A year after Dame walk, waved him off the court, they trade Paul, they trade Russ, and they end up with Chris Paul, a young Shea Gilgis, Lou Dort, and they just worked. Mm-hmm. It, they, they made their way to the fifth seed in the playoffs. They pushed the Rockets to seven games in the bubble. And the Oklahoma City Thunder were smart enough to realize that is that team's peak. We need mm-hmm. to further, you know, trim down. And they traded uh, Chris Paul away to the Phoenix Suns that they got further assets. And, and they really took a step back in, in the rebuild. When Portland added, you know, D.A. and Malcolm and Rob, like, you could kind of get a sense that they didn't want to say playoffs, but you could see that that was a goal for them. I don't think they will ever admit it, but I think they wanted to emulate that success. And I'm somewhat glad that it didn't happen mm-hmm. because you never want to fast forward a rebuild. Yeah, fast forward a rebuild means you're you're missing nails, you're missing screws, maybe some paint starts to chip, you maybe use faulty just- wiring. You need to take your time when you're building a house from the scratch and find the right pieces that that fit. And so clearly the Blazers are nothing like that 2020 Oklahoma City team. And there are a a lot of work still needs to be done. Well, just think about the Atlanta Hawks when they got their Eastern Conference run. 2021. Yeah, they, they traded for DeJounte and, you know, they did all this stuff when they just skip through a lot of steps in their development. And now Trey Young might get traded. DeJounte might get traded for a lot less than what they gave up. It it's it. They had to get John Collins away for pennies on the dollar. Exactly. They're going to trade Clint Capella away for pennies on the dollar. Cause they have on They're probably going to trade AJ Griffin and all of those wings because Jalen Johnson's, I mean, Jalen Johnson's awesome, but like they, they gave DeAndre Hunter big boy money for not that much production. So I, I like that we're being more sustainable with, with it. I just wish that we had a better coach and with, with me doing the uh, complimentary pieces and looking at guys that are a little lower on them, the mocks, you know, I, I look at Devin Carter and I'm like, this dude's a heat guy. He's a Nick guy like he he fits the mold of a roster that is What's good. a blazer guy. What is a blazer guy? What is that going to be in the future? And I think that's an interesting like thing to follow. What will be a blazer guy? And I think this draft is going to be a good example of what is a blazer guy with the Smiths and the whole rest of the draft thing, because. Man, like when I looked at Devin Carter, I'm like, damn, he's he's tough. He he plays really hard. He'd fit awesome in Miami. He could be Bruce Brown in Miami. Where is the guy that, oh, damn it, the Blazers drafted him? We're going to have to deal with him for 10 years? Oh, God, that's going to suck. When are we going to be able to be like that, the, the Miami Heat? When are we going to be able to have such a smart foundational and a foundational team where it dude if we get him he's an all-star i'm waiting for that that's something that i'm very excited about so this this i mean we're not that excited about the draft but there's some there's some guys that can be culture guys there might not be that many all-stars but there's some culture guys that can be there like 
our guy Kevin McCuller, that dude is a culture guy. I think I saw somewhere that Chauncey Billups is now the the heavy favorite to be the next coach fired after Jock, Jock Vaughn was uh, unexpectedly let mm-hmm. go before uh, play resumed after the All-Star break. And so, you know, I think the, the seat is is warming up. He is heading into the last year of his deal. I, I don't think it's a coincidence that we are now heading into year three of a post-All-Star break, just absolute tank fest. Mm-hmm. Laser tickets are at a all-time low which is a a good thing. Um, but yeah, I, I still think they need to put out a product that's worthwhile to, to go to because like if, you know, Shaden's out, if Scoot misses time and has been in and out of the lineup. It, I'm missing that motherfucking game, bro. It, it's a hard, hard sell, right? You know, it's it's a hard sell to, to go and, yeah. and watch, go and watch that uh, play, especially if they're, they're burying your other first round pick, Chris Murray on the bench. They're not giving repair any time at the at the big at the big leagues. So um, you know, no disrespect to those guys uh out there like grinding, but as a fan in the developmental years, I definitely play favorites. And there's definitely players that I need to see uh on a nightly basis. So um anything else before we take a look at the upcoming games? I think Rishi Shea is my number one guy now. Yeah, real quick, give me a, a top three big board. You know, we're about Rishi Shea, Cody. Sar. Sar. I don't feel that I, I I don't feel great about it, but yeah, Sar's three. No, those are the three best players yeah. in the draft. It's just so many issues with Cody's I don't my number think one it, by far, though. I think Rishi Shea is, but I think those two I think it's either order of those two. I give the nod to Cody Williams because that guy is the only guy I watch on tape and I'm like Oh shit. I I can see the vision in 3 years. Like that okay. Like I think that guy's got the most upside. I think that Richey is the safest. Safer. But also, I think yes, I think But I safer. also think that those are the only two that I can see being close to all-star caliber. Real quick, I know it's not a draft podcast, but I've been doing a lot of watching um and some some names have popped up that I were way off of my radar. Thoughts on Kansas is Johnny Furphy and Tennessee's Dalton Connect. Furphy is interesting because there's only one other guy in the uh, the draft that is that tall that can shoot that well, and that's Zachary Richeshev. So because of the lack of six nine dudes that can shoot, he's rather high. And there's upside there. There is. There definitely is. And then Dalton, he scores really well. He rebounds really well. He has shown the ability to defend. That's the reason why he went to Tennessee is he needed to prove that he can defend. I kind of am worried about the uh, feel for the game, though, because they try and do a lot of off ball stuff for him. And he's like looking left, right. But if we're just talking about a guy that can score, rebound and play some defense, he's a he's a top 10 guy. I just worry about the feel. I'm worried about Connect's defense. Oh, yeah. He also, he reminds me of the small forward version of Keegan Murray. Oh, I was going to say Ochai Abaji. And I'll say that because when we watched Keegan tape at Iowa, he was getting these posts up, post ups, mm. and he was scoring in the block. And Dalton does the same thing. It's like you're never getting those reps in the NBA. Never, ever, Keegan ever. never gets those reps. So he's also a knockdown shoot. He's one of the most pretty jump shots I've seen 
if he can just attack a closeout, if he can add that to his game, uh, he's going to be, I think, a a steal. I know teams are going to be turned off by the 23 years of age, but like if you can shoot like that, there is a place for you in in the league and you can just be a neutral defender. Or you can get hidden. Um He's I question his, hidden, I yeah. question his ability to finish at the rim. Some of some of his finishes in college look a little bit off. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Jalen Duran and Embiid and Bam, they're swatting the absolute that. shit out. Yeah, of SWAT it. City. So, but you don't not every player has to play in the paint. And I, you know, floor spacers are floor spacers. And uh, I'm looking for more uh play finishers for, for Scoot. And if he's that's why there, I like the Ochai comp, because I don't think either Dalton's not getting those touches, so he's going to be like Ochai. Give me uh, two players that you do not want to see the Blazers draft at any expense. Ron Holland's probably it because I just think he's mid at everything. He's not good or bad at anything. He's just mid at everything. And then I've been hearing that he's not really a uh, hard worker. But I, I, I like what he's best at is transition finishing. I, th- I think Shaden Sharp also does that and is better. So I think that it would just be a poor man's version of Shaden Sharp if we took Ron. And then, Dal- uh, uh, no. Um, shit, what's the guy from UConn's name? Donovan Klingon. Yeah, also Don- on my list. You never draft slow, prodding bigs in the modern NBA who also happen to have foot problems. Like, stay the hell away. I've seen plenty of mock drafts that put going, us going to him, yeah. And I'm like, no, it's it's not gonna happen. I'd also throw uh, a guy like Rob Dillingham in there. Like, oh, get, yeah, two, you two. just you just don't need a six three shoot first point guard on this roster. Absolutely All right, so there, there's five, four to four to six. Let's go with six because of this draft being ass. There's four to six, six three, and under guards. I think Reed Shepard is gonna be one of those four guys that actually hits. I do not want to put actual real draft capital into Rob Dillingham hitting or missing because I do not think he is six, three. I think he is six foot and he does not fit for what we're doing with this roster. I, I, I would much rather put my, my chances of my six, three or under guy hitting in Carter in Reed Shepard in, any of those guys, I do not trust Rob Dillingham of being one of the six, six, three and under guards that hit. I also don't like the idea of using either lottery pick on a, a backup. And that's what Carter or Shepard would be. Uh, last question about the draft. Who is someone you need just more information on? What are you looking? Who are you looking for? Hmm. I, I guess Cody, because Everything looks great, but I think there's some stats that in him that the the shooting percentage looks awesome. But when you look at how many shots he takes, it's it's like the Myers Leonard being a 40 percent three point shooter. It's such small volume that it really doesn't tell me if he is a good shooter or not. So I, I need to definitely hit the lab and watch him before we do our future Friday more. And then. There's a guy at Miami that I need Tyson to George. Yeah, I need to watch Tyson George because he's got some things that I really like. And then I looked at No Ceilings blog and he's like 10 on their mock draft. So I need to definitely watch Miami more. It's just 
I don't really like watching Miami play basketball. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I, I think for me, it's um, Johnny Furphy from Kansas. I think a, a big, a big tournament run, a la Jordan Hawkins last year, mm-hmm. will do him wonders. No ceilings actually had him sixth on their latest uh, mock draft, and he's not even on Tankathon's big board. He's not even on uh, the Ringers' big board, so they are early on him. But um, you can see why. Like, I, I don't think he's going to blow you away, but like, he is a freshman from Australia. He, he, you're, you're looking at him three years down the road, and if what, if in who you're picking, and then I want to see more uh, of Modest Buzelis from the Ignite. He's another player mocked to the Trailblazers. Ron Holland's out for the year, so he's going to get more of an opportunity. And I think that's good for the Ignite team. They just had too many, too many people they had to feed. And Adam Silver is even talking about potentially getting rid of the Ignite program just because of all the opportunities that are now available for players in college through the NIL. Um, And those players have have had a rough transition to the the league. Jalen Green is still figuring it out. Jonathan Kaminga is in year three and really took a rash of injuries for him to finally explode. Um, Scoots had his rough goings coming into the league uh, early on, seems to be figuring out a a, a bit, but it it seems to be, from what I've heard, chaotic, uh, just having so many first-round prospects. And really, when you go to college, there, there is an inherent, like, like we play for Kansas, like we got to win for Kansas. Mm-hmm. Nobody's trying to win. If Ron went to Texas, I think I would feel a lot different about him. And that's why I'm not quite out on Ron Holland yet, because I do know the Ignite has mm-hmm. just been such. Uh, you know who I really do like from Ignite, though? Tyler Smith. He's boring, boring name, but he's good. I was telling my mom, you know, when they did the uh, the the rookie sophomore and yeah. Matas was playing and I was like, He's probably going to be a blazer, so you should watch him. I mean, Matas is good when he's not the number one, number two, or number three guy. He's good when he's the number four, or number five guy. Like, he's a connective piece. So and I think Portland needs that. So yeah. uh, I'd be interested to take a, a look there. Uh, Joe Cronin and Mike Schmitz were in Perth, Australia, watching uh, Alexander Saar earlier this week. So that's uh, something I to- would love to be able to afford going to see college prospects actually play live because it's so much different than me watching something on YouTube at like 12 o'clock when I can't go to sleep and I'm watching like a fucking Providence game. It would be so much different to actually, you know, Blazers hire me to do be on your draft thing so I can go watch these college prospects and foreign guys. All right, let's look at the quickly. Uh, because I kind of have an idea of where this is going to go. Uh, the predictions, I think I'm still plus one uh, on the year, thanks to, I believe it was the Philadelphia game, all the way back. Oh, yeah, because I, I forgot Joel Embiid was out. January 29th. Yeah. Um, so we've got Denver on Friday, Charlotte on Sunday, and the Miami Heat on Tuesday. Uh, the Heat game, originally on TNT, flexed out of by Shocking. TNT. So another <laughs> non-national uh broadcast week for the blazers uh quick shout out to there was a user on twitter that basically said if you go vote for jason tatum's ugly ass jordans they'll give you a free year of nba league pass premium and that saved me 15 dollars a month in may in march and 15 dollars a month in april uh, because i went and voted i used the the promo code and it made its way on twitter and it worked 
and they they shut it down like an hour later. So I was glad. I, Good I shit on in. hitting the drop, bud. Yeah. So uh, it was a big big W uh, for me because I I, I got to tell you, Sage, if it was anything like the Pelicans game where you have no Ant, no Shaden, no Scoot, that's a tough sell for your boy um, to rewatch when you know that they're they're gonna lose. Those rewatches mm-hmm. when they lose are, are very difficult to do, and it's it's hard to to really. Like, what are you evaluating when, when your pri- primary developmental pieces aren't, aren't playing? But oh no, I'm just I'm just watching it so I can talk about it on the podcast. There is no development. There is no <laughs> nothing. Like it's just yeah, <laughs> that Detroit game sucked. I'll tell you why. <laughs> so the Blazers are winless in February, as we mentioned. They have three chances at home to to close it out. Uh, at the moment, they are nine and seventeen. They play twenty six games at home. They only have fifteen home games the, the rest of the year. Um. Denver, I, I think we 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 can agree. There's really no. no need to talk about that. I think they will play the Nuggets tough. They they play up to their opponent, but we did see with the Timberwolves if the better team comes with just an assertiveness, a mm. purpose, they will handle the Blazers. Yeah. I fully expect the Blazers to to lose uh, to the Nuggets. Um, I think the interesting games for me are Charlotte. Yep, and. Miami Charlotte because they have won three games in a row. Uh, Trey Mann has been really well awesome. for them mm-hmm. since uh, acquiring him from Oklahoma City. Uh, they play much better, I think, without Lamelo Ball. Uh, number two overall pick Brandon Miller has been uh, a bit of a bright right. spot, mm-hmm. and, and they've just been playing pretty good. I think team basketball, and more importantly, they are two games behind Portland in the win column. For those, you know, draft lottery standing. So that's going to be an interesting game to see who Portland makes available going into that contest. And then you've got the Miami Heat, obviously, with all of the the banter and back and forth over the summer. I don't know if there's any hostility. Uh, Tyler Hero made a, a big fuss about it uh, at Media Day. But again, we are five, six months removed from Media Day and the Heat are 30 and 25 with a plus three record on the, the road. Do you see Portland winning either of those games? Charlotte, Miami. I, I think the Charlotte one is a better chance. Trey Mann's been awesome, which makes me very happy because he just needed the time to really be the player that he can be. I think that it's going to be a big test. I need DA to dominate uh, the 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 bigs for Charlotte. Mark Williams is most likely not playing, so it's it, it it's really a uh, it, it's light in the big, so I need them. Like, this is one of those games where we need our center to step up, if, if he plays, if he plays. um, I really do think Brandon Miller's been playing pretty awesome, Uh, but they're not there yet. Their culture is worse than ours. You see Brandon Miller making plays and doing hustle plays and then him yelling at his teammates to actually try, and none of them are trying. So I think that we, I think we beat them, honestly, with me thinking about, I know that Scoot's going to try. I know that we're going to have more players that try. So I think we, I think we beat Charlotte now that I'm talking through my, my thought process, but it's, it's a, it's two bad teams playing each other. (laughs) And as we've seen, Portland has lost. To the Spurs at home, they've lost to the Jazz at home, they've lost to the Wizards at home, they've lost to the Pistons at home. Like, 
they don't play well when a bad opponent comes. Um, the Heat game will be predicated on Jimmy Butler. He's yeah, been he, out for the All-Star break mm-hmm. for a personal reason. I assume he comes back. Terry Rozier is, is hurt. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to to make a prediction because you don't know what way the Blazers are are really going to go. All I do think they will. There's no reason for anybody. Yeah, I I think they 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 beat the Hornets as well, and I think they lose to the Heat. Yeah, I, I think that that's the. There's no reason for them not to play DA and the rest of the guys against Miami. We're gonna lose most likely anyway. Might as well get them some run. So I I. They're Miami probably is gonna punch us in the mouth, and it's how we recover from that punch is that's gonna dictate how we. Probably lose this game if if Hero just shoots threes on us. If if we can't handle that initial punch, it's going to be bad. But I, I actually believe that we can make it like a relatively close game if we play Jeremy and Da and Ants healthy and Scoots there. So I I, I think it's it, it should be interesting, but I definitely think we lose it. One last question before we head out of here, Malcolm Brogdon will be reevaluated, I think, on Thursday or later on in the week. Do we see him again this year? With how much Shauncey loves him, probably. But I don't know if basketball ops overrules him and says there's no reason to. We got to let, you know, Scoot and Ant play. But Chauncey's trying to coach for his job right now so if he thinks that winning games is gonna swing it so he can get another contract i think it's a non-zero chance that malcolm plays yeah the only reason i give pause to that is because they did say that scoot's gonna start the rest of the year and so but he could play five minutes and then go on the bench for malcolm brockton to play 35 (laughs) i i genuinely do think they are going to give scoot some run my question is, if you don't play Malcolm, who who's another ball handler, right? Like you, you. This is why the releasing of Skylar Mays made no sense to me. Like, obviously he's the third string point guard, but like I saw Ashton Hagens play live. No disrespect, Skylar Mays is on a completely different tier, mm. and you know you just you you have to be at this point of the year. You cannot have sixty point losses, forty point losses, twenty point losses because that's when the 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 tanking microscope gets put on you and mm. you're now in, in the crossfires and you don't want to be that you just want to keep it competitive maybe win a couple but you do not want to be that team that's like oh they are blatantly mm. doing this again and um not having nba caliber ball handlers will, will do that so i i see a, a world in which malcolm does come back but i also see a world in where they're like we got to protect this asset. He does have an injury history. Maybe we just quietly Chill. close him down for the year and open up shop on, on the trade market in the summer. Because the last thing you want to do in this year type of season is have Brogdon get hurt like Rob, Rob Williams yourself. And then you just values completely shattered and you have to spend more developmental time taken away from your players to build that value back up when it can could we sign 
other teams G League players? Yes. If they're in the G League and they're not under contract, so like not Rupert, not Chris Murray, but if they're just in the G League, you could absolutely go out and cherry pick. You know who I want us to cherry pick. Our boy, Ryan Rollins. He got cherry picked. I, let's cherry pick him again because he's I, on a roster I, now. You can't. Oh, oh, he is. Well, because yeah, you sent it to me. Because I think that no disrespect to Ashton Hagens, but there's G League Ignite or G League players on other rosters that are more point guards because the rest Ty, Ty Washington's out there. Yeah, like there, there's a Ty Ty Washington. And we're we're not going for a buyout market backup point guard. We're going for a G League guy that we can give more minutes to. So if we're shutting down Malcolm Brogdon, let's get a tie tie. Let's get a a a Cooper. Let's get a guy that we can get a look at because Ashton Hagens is a two. But do you have anything else you want to say? Or are we wrapping this bad boy up? Let's wrap this bad boy up. All right. So we are available on iTunes. Everywhere where you get your podcast, we are there. Uh, we're also available on YouTube, and we clip these bad boys up and put them on social media. So thank you all for giving this a chance. Uh, the draft stuff is kind of where we're finding the enjoyment of because watching these bad teams is kind of a kind of tough. So Thank you for giving all of the podcasts from the Holy Backboard a chance. We will be back soon to talk about Cody Williams, and then I'm going to do a, a complimentary pieces on his best teammate, Tristan De Silva, who I think is worth a first-round pick. So thank you, everybody. We are out. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go! Let's go.